Let the self-isolation party continue here on Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and thank you for joining me once again for another self-quarantined COVID-19 watch party as we're going to watch an episode of WCW Monday Nitro from April the 15th, 1996 on the WWE Network. Um, but before we do that, uh, once again, in this recording, uh, at the time of this recording, I should say, um, uh, the the wife currently has uh, you know hijacked my studio and using it as her workstation, her work from home station, and so uh, I'm recording on the iPhone once again to bring you guys new and fresh content, so you guys have something to listen to, something to even participate and watch with these watch parties uh, during the self isolation period. Um, so uh, that's that's what I wanted to do with kicking out it too for all you guys that listen that support the show. Um, I really appreciate all the love and support over the last almost two years. We'll be coming up on two years uh, later this summer. Um, yeah, so uh, you know we're going to be stringing out uh, a, a number of uh, watch parties of some random content on the WWE Network. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, you know, I had to change up the schedule a little bit. Uh, obviously, can't have people over my house right now as we're in this self-isolation period. Hopefully, by the time this recording drops, April the 15th, uh, 2020, we will, um, we will be... Uh, you know, out of this self-isolation period. But if we are not, hopefully you guys are all staying safe, staying healthy, keeping good hygiene. Like I said on the last recording, always keep good hygiene, brush your teeth, wash your hands, wash your asses, uh, and socially distance yourself. Um, my wife and I are currently doing that as we speak. Like I said, she's in the studio. I'm in the bedroom recording on the iPhone. And, uh, you know, that is that. So, um, you know, uh, you know, Trying to also keep activity on our, our social media, our Facebook and our Twitter um, during this isolation period. So uh, if you guys want to be active with us, go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two. Uh, hit the like button if you haven't already. If you have hit the like button, then tell all your quarantine friends to hit that like button as well. Uh, trying to put discussion groups up there, get some engagement going so people aren't getting stir crazy. Um, Social media can be a very negative place. I'm trying to make things positive on the kicking out at two end, especially with the retro pro wrestling talk. So please, by all means, uh, go over there on our Facebook page. That's where we seem to have the most activity. Um, if you're a Twitter person and you want to engage, we got Twitter as well. Our handle's at kickingout2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T, and the number two. Um, same fun, same format, but 140 to 220 characters or less, depending on who you're who you're uh, chit-chatting with. Um, and if you want to listen to uh, some old archive shows, if you're new to the, if you're late to the party here and kicking out at two and you want to listen to some old archive shows, you can find our links over at our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com, search kicking out at two. You'll find all the backlog archives of our shows. But more importantly, you will find them on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean by searching Retromania with a W. You can find each and every show that kicking out at two has. Um, you can also find other great shows, a part of that network, like Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, uh, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, Oranges of Attitude, uh, and so much other great bonus content, Searching Retromania with a W. If Podbean ain't your jam, if you are a Apple Podcast guy, you can find Retromania over there and all the, 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 the archive shows from that network. You can also find all of our shows on the Retromania network on um, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, um, 
I think iTunes is not a thing anymore, but if it still is, you can find it over there as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, if you, if, if you need something to do during this, during this isolation period, if you've had enough of your kids, if you have children, if you've had enough of your spouses, or if you live alone, uh, then by all means, um, you know, hit us up and uh, indulge in some of our evergreen retro wrestling podcasts from the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Okay. Um, like I said, once again, uh, Nitro Watch Party, the COVID-19 Nitro Watch Party from April the 15th, 1996. You can search for it on your WWE Network by going to that little space bar on the left-hand side. Click on the in-ring section. Then once you click on there, there's a on the left-hand side, you can click on the WCW section, and then you can search. You can find the, the, the Nitro logo, WCW Monday Nitro, and then you can search the year. Uh, 1996. You scroll all the way, and you'll find April the 15th, 1996. Uh, the um, the this this uh, this show runs 50 minutes and 18 seconds. Um, so we're gonna watch this from start to finish. Hit the mute button uh, so that you can uh, you can hear what I have to say as we watch all the action unfold. Um, but from time to time, I'll probably uh, turn up the audio on. Um, on, on some segments of the show uh, to get you guys a better idea as to what's going on. So when I say play, you're going to hit play, and I'll give you guys a countdown, and we'll be on our way to this, uh, this, this Nitro watch party. So without further ado, in five, four, three, two, one, hit play. Here we are opening with the uh, famous Nitro Open. You know what? I'm going to play the audio for this one because I love this Nitro Open. Here we go with the opening match of this Nitro watch party. Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan uh, taking on Hulk Hogan in a handicap match. Um, this was during a period of time where there was this was a transition for WCW. This was right before the beginning stages of the the New World Order storyline. Um, before uh, Hulk Hogan had turned heel and became Hollywood Hogan and the leader of the New World Order. Um, this is Hulk Hogan, and uh, uh, at one point, Randy Savage was a part of this little uh, alliance here, taking on the alliance to end Hulkamania, which was the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen. Oh, Arn Anderson missing that that high knee. And then we see on the outside, Jimmy Hart, along with uh, Miss Elizabeth and Nancy Sullivan, woman, Hogan trying to put on the figure four uh, unsuccessfully here. Um 
yeah, this was uh, this was that old '80s formula of like the monster heels um, versus Hulk Hogan and friends, uh, which was a formula that was used, you know, during the the Hogan heyday run in the WWF. Um, <clears throat> this was the period of time where, like I said, the the audience was beginning to lash out at Hulk Hogan and. Uh, this was a situation here where they were trying. Oh, wait, look at this. What do we got here? We got Kimberly, who was the booty girl. That's right. She was the the valet of the booty man who was a friend of Hulk Hogan. Um, she was the, 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 the female representation for Hulk Hogan and friends at this time. And um, yeah, the audience was beginning to resist the babyface Hulk Hogan, and they still hadn't really figured out um, what they were going to do with Hogan, to be to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so they were just kind of sticking with this formula. Um, as a kid, I was 13 at the time, and uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I was not... Um, I wasn't as sophisticated as a viewer, so I was still kind of hanging on to the old Hulk Hogan formula, but... Um, you know, as time would go on this year, my, uh, my my viewing habits would change and I would be going through a transition myself as a fan, um, trying to learn and accept um, the, the different role that Hulk Hogan would play on my television screen. I've talked about it before on our uh, on the, the, the pilot episode of Kicking Out It Too, uh, where we did the Bash at the Beach 96 watch along um, the night that, you know, wrestling changed forever with uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, turning on WCW and revealing himself as the leader of the new world order. Um, but like I said, this was before that time period when you were still sticking with the good guy versus bad guy element. Um, <clears throat> Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan's manager, getting in on the action while Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan put the work to Hulk Hogan. Referee not calling for a disqualification. That's a little strange, but uh, nonetheless... Um, yeah, this was uh, this, this was after the um, the the infamous Tower of Doom match from Uncensored, uh, the Uncensored pay per view that saw um, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage defeat the Alliance to end Hulkamania in that like five story cage, um, which is a pretty impressive looking structure, I must say. Um, it was a guilty pleasure of mine. I liked the, the 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 concept of the match. You had to go through different levels of the cage to get to the bottom to eventually escape and win um but most fans look at it as being a very hokey um concept with the whole dungeon of doom and the the the, the cartoonish nature of that that stable oh slingshot by hogan from anderson or two anderson into sullivan in the corner hogan looks like he's making a comeback here two on one to Kevin Sullivan and Arnett. Big leg drop. Is this it? One, two, three. And your winner of this handicap match is the immortal Hulk Hogan. Oh, wait a minute. Nancy Sullivan, woman, getting involved. Oh, what the heck? Hogan tossing her in the ring. And there's my first celebrity crush, Miss Elizabeth. I would have. Oh, man, she was beautiful. She was, she was my girl. She was the one that made me blush as a little boy. Um, Hogan looks like he's, uh, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna go after her and woman. Um, 
Oh, wait a minute. Look at this. Nancy shielding herself with Elizabeth. Now, why isn't Kimberly getting in there? Why is Hogan going to do the dirty work here? I don't understand that. I'm having a hard time figuring that out. And obviously in 2020, uh, domestic abuse would would not be a thing in pro wrestling as we see Hogan and, oh, wait a minute. Is what what is he doing? He's holding both of them by the arms, looking for the crowd's approval. Oh, he's gonna go after Jimmy instead. Oh, yeah, he's gonna go after Jimmy instead because Jimmy was the one that originally turned on him at Halloween Havoc in 1995. Why didn't Jimmy run out? He had plenty of opportunity. Oh, Hogan's. Oh, he went for the old powder, but you know he clearly missed. He got more of it on his shirt than he did on Hogan, and now. <laughs> Hogan ripped his shirt off and, oh, atomic drop. There we go, right there. Now, you're probably wondering as you're watching this with me why I chose this episode of Nitro. Well, two reasons. Number one, the date, April the 15th, 1996. Today, as we drop this, it's April the 15th, 2020. Um, So I figured it would be. Um, fitting, you know, on the 24-year anniversary of it as we see the giant, a.k.a. the big show, entering the ring. Um, But also, when I looked at this Nitro, I looked at the card, and I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. I've never seen this episode before, so I thought, why not watch it uh, with all of you? And hopefully you guys are, uh, you know, enjoying yourselves, and hopefully I can, you know, entertain you or do my best to entertain you during this this coronavirus self-isolation, this pandemic, if you will. Um, And I also take special requests. So if there's anything you would like to, for me to discuss, for me to watch, um, by all means, uh, you know, shoot in my DMs, hit us up on social media, um, on both Facebook and Twitter, and uh, let me know if there's a particular show you would want me to watch. I I won't do a whole pay-per-view, I will say. Um, cause I can't do a pay-per-view by myself and my wife certainly wouldn't sit with me to watch a whole pay-per-view, but if it's like an episode, an old episode of nitro or raw, um, or even, uh, ECW, which those run about 45 minutes in length on the network, then I'll be glad to do that, uh, for you guys. Um, anything in particular that you have in mind, uh, please don't be afraid to, uh, you know, uh, give us a shout on social media. Um, Hogan slamming giant there we see. And then there's, there's what the heck is mean gene doing? Mean Gene trying to get an interview. Oh, what the heck? Oh, come on. You really... Oh, like you really didn't know it was him. Come on, Hogan. Are you serious right now? You can't be serious. All right. Let's hear what the... Let's hear what Oakland has to say about this. Hogan got his justice here live on Nitro. Let's go now to Mean Gene Okerlund. Take it, Gene. Unbelievable. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this crowd here tonight. Hulk Hogan, you just about in and you don't have been a Hulkamaniac from day one. Well, you know something, brother? I thought you were that no good. Squeaky little mouse, give me heart. I'm sorry to grab you by your shorts, brother. But the thing is, Hulkamania and all these Hulkamaniacs, brother, are back at a roll. And what you gonna do, brother, when Hulk Hogan climbs the ladder to the top of the WCW Heavyweight title? What are you gonna do? Listen to this crowd. Yeah! It must just 
unroud your shorts to see Hulkamania back in full force. As you can hear, um, there's a mixed reaction for Hogan there. And if you're watching with me, uh, you can see a lot of fans, uh, you know, booing Hogan, thumbs down um, currently. <clears throat> as uh, as Bruce Richard would say, Hogan must pose. And there he is posing to the crowd. And audience is not really into it. Um, and this is the period in time, like I said, transition for WCW. Um, they are... Uh, they're looking to uh, change things up. Uh, the New World Order storyline hasn't debuted yet, but this is a a, a, a weird period in time for them um, <clears throat> because they're getting traction. Excuse me, with people watching their programming, but um, it's you know pretty much WWF light with the Hulk Hogan and Friends show and the same you know formulaic um, presentation with Hogan as the. Um, you know the 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 hero taking on any and, and all monsters, um, you know that that WCW's thrown at him. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia, is the place where this nitro emanated from. Um, I used to always like the, uh, the the this nitro set here, this presentation with the the diamond plate. Um, I liked the broadcast booth back up on the staging area. I. I, th- I think the, the 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 ringside presentation is played out even currently today in WWE. I know Raw will have the uh, the announcers by the stage. SmackDown will be by ringside, um, but uh, I think I think the whole ringside commentator thing is played out. I like the fact that they're you know in a uh, a remote location. That you know it wouldn't honestly I wouldn't mind if they were to have moved the broadcast tables to like a skybox kind of like what wwf used to do with wrestlemania and uh, you would see gorilla monsoon and bobby heenan in a skybox up above calling the action um kind of like what you know professional sports like baseball and football do um basketball still does courtside but um yeah I, i i think the the broadcast booth away from the ringside area kind of adds a little different presentation um to the product and i i like that personally over the uh the the ringside broadcast booth here as we see eric bischoff looks like he's um mediating a disagreement between mongo and bobby the brain heenan uh never really understood the dog with mongo didn't really care for it um i did like mongo when with his involvement with wrestlemania 11 uh, which we um, the last two recordings were uh, highlighted by WrestleMania 11 talk. Um, I really thought that Mongo was going to be a part of the WWF based off the interaction he had uh, with um, you know the All Pro team and the Million Dollar team as a part of that WrestleMania 11 main event, but um, it wouldn't come to be, and WCW would pick him up, and um, he would have an he, he would he would have an okay run in wcw eventually as a wrestler didn't really care for him as a horseman but um you know teach his own as we see public enemy here um looks like we're gonna have a uh ourselves a good old-fashioned street fight oh with the nasty boys here and we kick things off all right garbage cans chairs um oh just waylaying them getting into it now jesus knobs and sags the nasty boys um I covered a match with these guys on the, the, the pilot 
of kicking out of two, the Bash the Beach watch along. They had a, a double dog collar tag team match, and it was pretty wild. Um, during this time period, Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys had a series of street fight type matches, Super Brawl, a couple months prior. They were involved in a match with each other. This match, eventually, uh, you know, Bash at the Beach, like I had discussed. Um, these are fun little brawls uh, to kind of break up the. Uh, the 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 presentation a little bit here we see a little split screen action with public enemy and the nasty boys nasty boys they were what they were um i i i think that they i wouldn't say they're criminally underrated but i don't think they get enough credit for what they contributed to the business um they were you know a rough and tough rough house tag team um but when they got in there with teams that could wrestle they they did pretty well for themselves you know the some of my favorite Nasty Boys matches are with the Steiner Brothers. Um, Halloween Havoc 1990 in particular um, had an unbelievable match. You can find that on the network. Um, actually, full disclosure, I plan to, uh, to to watch that show uh, with all of you here on Kicking Out at 2 in October when we reach the 30-year anniversary of that event. Um, Steiner's and Nasty Boys uh, had a tremendous match at that pay-per-view. Um, I advise that you guys check that out for any old longtime wrestling fans um, that, you know, have a I'm a big Steiner brother, Mark, to begin with. So uh, if you like the Nasties or the Steiners, check it out. If you don't like either, but you want to see a fun match, I would go out of your way to check that out here um, as Johnny Grunge is going out of his way to nail knobs with this trash can in the head. These guys are really just beating the shit out of each other here split screen action you see sags on the right hand side with rocco rock and knobs and uh johnny grunge now we got rocco rock into the the second split screen on the left and it looks like all four guys are <laughs> taking up one side look at this all right now we're back to the regularly scheduled programming here Knobs running grunge into the the ringside area. The um the 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 element of the the street fight, the hardcore wrestling at this time, um, this was fairly. I wouldn't say it was new to WCW, but it wasn't done as often. And as wrestling had evolved, um, as ECW had an influence on the mainstream, um, it became more prevalent in a lot of. The programming on both WWF and WCW, from what I remember, um, you know, WWF was very clean cut and didn't have any blood, and you saw um, very little of this kind of action. And it would be just a few weeks following this show that we're watching, where Diesel and Shawn Michaels had that like no holds barred, non sanctioned match on pay per view at the In Your House, Good Friends, Better Enemies uh, pay-per-view event, and Diesel would powerbomb Michaels through the announcer's table. And um, at the time, the announcer's table was just a regular folded, you know, you know, wooden table with, um, you know, a, like black uh, tablecloth over it. And then you had the television monitors. And it's not like it is today where the, oh, that was interesting. Rocco Rock going for a leg drop, trying to do like an Arabian face buster with the trash can lid, and he missed. But um, 
yeah, Michaels took this power bomb through this table and like the table exploded and all the items, you know, uh, flew up in the air and he was caught up in the wiring of the headset and, you know, the announce tables now are much different where it's like, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like a Lego set. Like you put like certain pieces together and they click in place. Uh, there's the top and the two sides and then there's the base and, so it's obviously much different now than it was 24 years ago. But, uh, you know, my point is, is that this style of wrestling here that we're seeing with the, the, the weapons and things like that, um, this was the beginning stages of, of, of this becoming the norm on, you know, Monday Nitro and Monday Night Raw. Um, and it was heavily influenced by um, ECW, which, by the way, full, you know, Full disclosure, give you guys a little bit of a scheduling update. The next two recordings, we're going to be doing uh, watch-alongs of episodes of ECW on TNN when ECW went national. Um, The April 21st and April 28th episodes of ECW on TNN will be the the series of our next two watch parties um, here on Kicking Out It Too. So for any of you ECW fans out there... um, I urge you to uh, join us for that on the next two recordings. Didn't haven't done a whole lot of ECW on this podcast, and I thought with the time um, that we have here during this isolation period, and I had to change my schedule up. Why not do some ECW? So, from April twenty first and April twenty eighth of of two thousand, um, we will be watching those two episodes back to back of ECW on TNN. Look forward to that with all of you. Oh, Jesus, Knobs with a trash can shot to Johnny Grunge. These guys look like they're really, really putting a beating on each other. Oh, man. Here's a little CTE for you there, Rocco Rock. Unfortunately, Public Enemy no longer with us. Um, Both individuals passing away, respectively, a number of years ago. Um, Nasty Boys are still here, still making the convention circuit. Um, I know Nobbs had some health issues uh, in recent memory uh, in the last several months. Um, there was a GoFundMe page to help pay for some of his medical expenses regarding his health issues. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully he's uh, he's on the mend. He's doing well. Jesus, look at this! Is just ugly. This is this 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 match here just epitomizes a a barroom brawl, a fight, if you will. Um, and and it's not pretty. So any wrestling purists out there that are, you know, expecting a, a technical masterpiece, um, I suggest you, uh, you you skip this match or fast forward it entirely, because uh, that's what you're not going to get uh, watching this. Rocco Rock setting up the table, nailing Sags with the trash can lid, the same damn trash can lid he's been using the whole match. Looks like. All right, now another split-screen action, like anyone really gives a shit. Excuse me for a sec while I drink my coffee. Nice clothesline by Knobs off the second rope here. Going for the cover. Oh, foot's on on the rope. But it's a no-disqualification match, so I don't understand. Does it matter that the foot's on the rope? The referees let every other rule fly, but when he puts his foot on the rope, the referee's not going to make the count. That's that's kind of silly, but you know what? That's WCW for you. That's what you know. They've grown accustomed to be um, lack of consistency in the storytelling, and uh, 
Grunge picking up a chair. Looks like he's going to nail knobs. Yep, once again here. Another scientific chair shot to the back. <laughs> Look at all the garbage in the ring. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. I hope these guys wash their hands after this match. I hope you all are washing your hands too and staying healthy and hygienic during this uh, self-isolation period. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys don't know anyone that has been you know directly affected by this virus or a loved one a friend a co-worker hopefully you're hopefully you know any of you um haven't been you know infected with this COVID-19 um at the time of this recording I know here in Connecticut we've reached uh, close to 300 cases of people uh with the virus um I don't know anyone personally that's been directly affected by it but um you know, hopefully all of you, um, oh, here we go, one, two, three, and finally, this train wreck of a match is over. The Nasty Boys have defeated the public enemy in this no disqualification, street fight rules type of match. Um, but as I was saying, hopefully uh, nobody that listens to this podcast um, has come down with this coronavirus Um Hope you all are staying safe and healthy. And hopefully, like I said to you before, I can do something with these watch alongs and with these podcasts to, uh, you know, add some levity to the, the, the current situation. Everyone's struggling, everyone's in isolation. Um, well, I shouldn't say everyone, the majority of our society is in isolation. There are essential workers out there that need to work truck drivers, people at grocery stores, uh, people in the medical field. Um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Whoa! Look at that. Speaking of medical field, Sags looks like he's gonna have to go to a medical facility, as they like to say in pro wrestling. After taking that table bump, courtesy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge of the Public Enemy. Um, yeah, I just hope all of you, uh, you know, I can provide some kind of entertainment and some kind of um, time filler for all of you with these uh, these watch alongs. Something you guys can participate in. If you're done doing Netflix and chill, and you want to do kicking out at two and chill, I won't be offended by it <laughs> whatsoever. Um, hopefully, there are, you know folks that you know if you're currently out of work, you have some kind of um, activities that you can partake in, even if it's you know WWE Network or you know anything else um during this uh stay home stay safe isolation period but um here we see the replay brought to you by twix the sweet revenge um nasty boys public enemy really put a beating on themselves we're heading to commercial it looks like we can see some of the stage hands running in the ring to get rid of the plunder baby that's right that's the maker that's the rules would say get rid of the plunder baby if you will um Dusty Road, Latin Plick, if you will. Not on this Nitro episode, but uh, coming up here, uh, the, the the next match is a part of this uh, this Nitro Party watch-along. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we see, making his way down the aisle. Um, or is he not? Who is it? I don't know. Oh, it's Jeeves, along with Earl Robert Eaton, otherwise known as Beautiful Bobby Eaton. Um, formerly of the Midnight Express. This was during the time period when they 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 had Bobby Eaton under contract and they didn't really know what to do with him, but they knew he was talented and he could get the job done. So they repackaged him to be a 
a, a sympathizer of the, uh, the English, um, trying to pretend that he was English. He was teaming with uh, Regal, Lord Stephen Regal at the time, as a part of the Blue Bloods. Um, and Regal was trying to class up old Huntsville, Alabama's beautiful Bobby Eaton by changing his name, the Earl Robert of Eaton. Um, Eaton is set to face off against uh, one of my all-time favorites, and uh, most likely some of yours as well, Macho Man Randy Savage, coming up here. Bobby Eaton, um, actually, it was just recently on Twitter. Um, I uh, had a, a little interesting back and forth with my my old friend uh, uh, Shane Helms, the Hurricane, and Lance Storm regarding Bobby Eaton's work. Um, a lot of people felt Bobby Eaton was criminally underrated, and um, you know, Storm and Storm and uh, Hurricane both agreed that would to be the case. Um, but they made storm made a point in the tweet that, um, for as much as people say Bobby Eaton was underrated and underappreciated as far as he knew everyone in the business at the time, um, felt that Bobby, Bobby Eaton was a great worker and therefore shouldn't be labeled as underrated or underappreciated. Um, because everyone that worked with him appreciated what he contributed um, and his work in the industry. Now, um, you know, from my perspective as a fan, when I was, you know, watching this, um, I just tried to give a rationale and explanation with the tweets. And, uh, you know, um, I, I had said that maybe the, maybe fans don't appreciate Bobby Eaton and underrate him because they're not familiar with his work. Um, people that didn't grow up in his era. And, um, you know, uh, Shane and I went back and forth a little bit about that. And, you know, it's kind of hard when you're on Twitter and you're, you're, you're texting when, you, you know, having a conversation like this and you're not face-to-face with a person talking with them or even on the phone. So it's kind of understand people's thoughts and, and, and explanations behind the words that are being put out there on social media. Um, so there might have been a little miscommunication, but for the most part, um, it was a friendly conversation. And, uh, you know, overall, I feel like, yeah, he is criminally underrated and someone that doesn't get enough credit for what he contributed and someone that I felt deserved more. Um, you know, Bobby Eaton, great with the Midnight Express, both with Dennis Condry and Stan Lane. Um, I feel like his work with Arn Anderson as a member of the Dangerous Alliance were was stuff that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, I really enjoyed that team. They both complemented each other very well. Both great tag team wrestlers coming together to form their own team. Um, I just thought that you know the Eaton Anderson combination against teams like the Steiners and teams like Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham and. Um, you know, even like Doc and Gordy, you know, Dr. Death Steve Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, like those, what the heck? Someone dressed up like Fred Flintstone? What the heck is this? Anyhow, um, the uh, going back to what I was saying, um, Bobby Eaton and, you know, Arn Anderson, the tag team combination, I don't think, First of all, I don't think they had a long enough run as a team. And second of all, I don't think that they get talked about enough for their work together, um, especially during a time period in WCW where um, 
it may have 1992 WCW always gets remembered for you know the the narrative of you know Bill Watts being in charge and the company being in turmoil but you know there was some great wrestling that took place during that time period and Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson were definitely a part of that especially being in the focal point storyline as members of the Dangerous Alliance led by uh, Paulie Dangerously um, a very underrated group uh, a group that really isn't in the conversation when it comes to factions and stables and what the heck is this oh oh he's mocking savage yeah currently at this time in the story savage is having issues with the four horsemen elizabeth had turned on him and joined up with rick flair and the four horsemen so therefore um eaton's trying to get the best of savage during this situation um by uh you know taunting him with the four horsemen shirt savage reverses the figure four leg lock and gets out now oh drapes Bobby Eaton over the ropes, or Earl Robert Eaton, I should say. Um, yeah, another episode of Nitro that I've never watched before, up until you know this moment right now, recording it. Um, oh, Jeeves pulling Savage down. Oh, got a hold of the wig. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, back body drop to Bobby Eaton. On the concrete. Savage bringing him back into the ring. Slam by the macho man. Uh-huh. And I think we're uh, we're setting up the finish here. Um, elbow drop to Earl Robert of Eaton. And it is all she wrote. Your winner of this match, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, dig it. I just beat the Earl of Eaton Robert. Yeah, uh-huh. Macho Man, your winner. Oh, wait a minute. He kicked out. <coughs> Excuse me. Did he kick out? Maybe he did. He did. Okay. So Eaton kicked out, and Randy Anderson tried to remind Savage of that. And, oh, Alex Wright and that hard body Harrison, hard Bobby, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and Doug Dillinger. (laughs) So this is, yeah, this is during the, from what I recall, this is during the time period in WCW where, oh, wait a minute. Why are they handcuffing Randy Savage? If I okay, now I'm recalling here. So this was during the period of time when Savage had his issues with the Horsemen. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they either outlawed his elbow drop and he would be arrested, or he was arrested because of the fact that he assaulted Randy Anderson. Let's uh, let's play the audio here for just a second, so we can get a better idea. All right, well, it looks like they, uh, they 
you know, the handcuff routine is, uh, is, is, was done for Macho Man's own well-being, I guess. Uh, as we see the, uh, the, the WCW magazine commercial here with Sting, um, wasn't a regular subscriber, I must say. Um, but, uh, you know, from time to time, if, you know, whoever graced the cover, you know, I might pick up a, an issue or two. Um, oh, Medusa. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I remember these commercials. These were always fun. I was a big WWF Magazine subscriber. Um, I believe my brother Daryl at one time. The Great White Hype. Samuel L. Jackson. This was, okay. Wow, I remember this. This film was uh, was um, a knockoff of like the, what boxing was with Mike Tyson and Don King being the the promoter that he was. Um, yeah, that was, that, that, that was, and I guess TNT and TBS had, uh, had sponsored or the movie was a sponsor of this event. So they had signs up in the arena and I think they probably had like special commercials. And here we see Elizabeth and woman once again, this time leading Ric Flair and the giant to the ringside area. Yeah. Like I said, there's a reason why Elizabeth was my my celebrity crush when I was a when I was a kid and whew, man, she was all the way live as they like to say. Same thing with woman too. My goodness, um, but she was scary. Like she she's the kind of woman that like it, it, you know I used to be scared of her. <laughs> she she was just an intimidating woman. Elizabeth she was innocent but sexy and sweet and you know she had uh, she she had this innocence about her that I think attracted me to her. Um, and that's why I've always had, a, you know, an affinity for Miss Elizabeth. And look who that is over there. That is one Deborah McMichael who is sitting in the audience. And it looks like, from what I gather here, that this is the beginning of the the angle between, you know, Flair and the Horseman uh, against Mongo. Which would eventually lead to Mongo's um, uh, entry into the Four Horsemen uh, just a few months later. But uh, this match here, um, Flair and Giant taking on the WCW World Tag Team Champions, Sting and Lex Luger, who at this time, um, Luger was no longer affiliated with the Dungeon of Doom. He was no longer being managed by Jimmy Hart, which I thought was silly at that time to begin with. Um, but he was, you know, him and Sting had this like on again, off again friendship, um, as a team, you know, uh, Luger, his allegiances on television, from what I recall, you couldn't really trust him. Sting was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hogan and Savage didn't like Luger, but Sting was friends with Hogan and Savage. And, um, eventually Luger would be the one to, uh, to help Hogan and Savage win that that Tower of Doom cage match against the Alliance to end Hulkamania, um, therefore giving Luger like a full babyface turn, and uh, this was uh, this was Sting growing his hair out here. Uh, another person who was in transition or in the middle of a holding pattern um, at this time in his career. This was like I said before the NWO had burst onto the scene and. It would be a few months later that when the NWO would arrive, um, 
their uh, their presence on television would force Sting to uh, eventually kind of change things up, and uh, you know he would never look back since. So, um, yeah, we start this match off here with Sting and Flair, two that are uh, very familiar with each other. Um, Sting and Flair wrestled on the very first Monday Nitro um, against one another for the United States Championship, and then they wrestled on the last Monday Nitro from Panama City Beach um, after the WWF had bought WCW. Um, you know, Flair has said many years, many interviews over the years that uh, you know Ricky Steamboat was his greatest opponent. Um, but if you were to put a um, if you were to do a Mount Rushmore of Ric Flair's greatest opponents, um, Steamboat's definitely up there. Dusty Rhodes. Um, Sting, for sure, I would put on that list. Um, their, their match at the very first Class of Champions, a classic. The match they had for the, um, the, the title at the 1990 Great American Bash. Um, another classic. Um, I've never, I've only seen that match before. I've never watched that entire pay per view. That's something that I plan to cover here on Kicking Out at Two um, in the month of July. Uh, once things settle down and this pandemic doesn't escalate any further, um, I, I look to watch that entire show from start to finish and bring you guys a blind date diary, if you will, of uh, my first time viewing the entire. 1990 Great American Bash Venice. We see Sting just throwing Flair over the top into Giant. And it looks like Flair and Giant are having some issues, some dissension between the two. Um, I don't know what that's about, but um, I guess you could make an argument that Luger could make the uh, the, the, the Mount Rushmore of Flair's greatest rivals. Um, you know, he had some great matches with Flair, too. The uh, The 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 Starcade eighty eight match or yeah eighty eight yeah it's eighty eight the Starcade eighty eight match what the fuck was that Flair just chopped his own partner see it looks like that it looks like they're they're teasing some issues between the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen and their their respective figureheads both Flair and the Giant um, as they leave the ringside area it looks like we're gonna Head into commercial break, but um, yeah, Luger, you can make an argument could could be on that list of of great opponents. Um, you know, on that Mount Rushmore, um, you know the 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 Great American Bash and the 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 match at uh you know Starcade '88, the the Wrestle War '90 match that I covered in the Blind Date Diaries, I thought was a really great match, despite the fact that the buildup was only like two weeks putting those two together. Um, but Sting definitely makes that dusty steamboat. Um, you can make an argument that um, Vader could be on that list because Flair and Vader had some great matches. You can make an argument that Hogan could be on that list because Flair and Hogan had some great matches. But um, who would make your Mount Rushmore of Ric Flair's uh, greatest opponents? Uh, let us know on social media, uh, both on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as our Twitter handle at kicking out two. K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number two. Uh, like I said, I got Sting. I got Dusty. I got Steamboat. Who rounds out that fourth person? I want to hear what you guys have to say. So uh, you know, let us know on social media as we see the giant here. Um, 
putting in the uh putting in the work in the corner big boot and uh you know let's let's look at him for a minute here okay you know he's only about a year into the business okay and he's in a prime role as you know the 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 big monster heel taking on the top baby faces like Hogan and Sting and Savage and Luger um you know imagine you know, I, I get why they, 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 they brought him out there so early, but imagine if they had taken their time with training him and really developing him, what he could have been like had he been close to fully developed and ready for a real debut instead of just being thrown into the mix. You know, Hogan saw dollar signs with him, let's be honest, and thought, I can recreate what the magic I had with Andre. Uh, you know, you, you have to think that was the case. Um, and so... That was why Giant was, you know, put out there so early and when he was very, very um, inexperienced. But I will say, um, maybe it's my age. Uh, I honestly don't know. But, um, you know, back in 1996, I couldn't tell how inexperienced he was. You know, I was a kid. Uh, my my 12-year-old, 13-year-old brain um, – wasn't looking at certain things like I do now at 37 years old watching this and seeing the inexperience that he has in the ring and his timing. Not that I am any kind of expert whatsoever because I am not. I am just a fan like all of you that are listening. But you could tell, um, you know, some of the things he does in the ring, you can see the inexperience shine through. But at 12 years old, it didn't, you know, 13 years old, that didn't look like that was the case. Um you know they didn't have him do too much as you know this inexperienced giant you know he he did a solid job of being you know this big man with the lack of experience that he had um and i think you know people don't obviously he's you know he he made his mark as big show um and that's what really you know put the food on the table for him um in his career and that's what people most remember him for. But I think his run as the Giant at times, um, I wouldn't say he's underappreciated, but undervalued um, given his experience. Um, and I think he was—I think he was surrounded by um, a good number of people to really help hide some of those weaknesses and experience. I mean. You know, he was managed by Jimmy Hart. He was associated on screen with Flair for a number, you know, number of months. He worked with Hogan. He worked with Savage. He worked with Sting. He worked with Luger. All guys with experience that could, you know, help him get through a match. And, you know, I think when people look back on this run, they should look back on the fact that given his lack of experience, he did pretty well for himself, I think, me personally. Um I think the biggest mistake that was made, um, aside from starting him too early, was the fact that he wasn't tr- because he was a big man. He wasn't treated like an attraction, like he should have been. Like he should have been a special attraction. He shouldn't have been on TV every week. He should have been treated like he was, you know, Andre the Giant. And, you know, Andre was a special attraction wherever he went in the territories and even, you know, later in his career when he was winding down with the WWF, um, he wasn't on TV every week. He wasn't featured all the time. Um, 
he was put in situations where he needed to be. Um, and I think, you know, giant, Paul White, Big Show, whatever you want to call him, I think that that's how he should have been treated from the start. Um, because I think most fans now look back at him and it's like he was overexposed. Um, he was shoved down our throats. Uh, the the amount of times that his character had changed from babyface to heel and vice versa was, you know, just overexposed him and g- people got tired of him, you know. Um, uh, you know, Ken Reedy, who I used to, you know, work with on the Ken Reedy show, he used to say all the time, you know, if wrestling were real, if wrestling were a real fight, if it were like MMA, Big Show, you know, should be the champion because he's the biggest guy. Um, and it's hard not to argue that point. I used to say Brock because Brock was just so damn intimidating that, you know, I Brock could hurt anyone. Um, so we used to kind of go back and forth there, but, uh, you know, it's hard not to argue his point because he was just so big and he was just so in- massive and intimidating. But, you know, he was treated like every other guy because he was on TV every week. And I think that's what hurt him. Um, oh, there Flair with the standard bump in the corner over the over the ropes, knocked the cameraman out. Um, as we see Sting oh, going to the top, top rope superplex with Ric Flair. Ooh. Nice textbook by Sting. Flair overselling the bump. And look what we got here. We got the Scorpion Deathlock by Sting onto Flair. Luger fighting off the giant while Miss Elizabeth distracting the referee. And what we got? We got woman. Oh, did they just try to do the hot coffee bit? I think that's what they tried to do. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They had woman throw the hot coffee in Sting's face, and the referee saw it and called for the bell. Luger ducked, and Sting ate the coffee. As I'm drinking mine right now, and giant choke slam Sting, and Jesus, he's getting into it now. Look at him; he's pissed. Choke slam Sting. Flair goes for the cover. I think. Flair doesn't realize the match is over. He was disqualified. (laughs) Flair goes to swing at the ref. Oh, my goodness. That was too funny. And looks like Giant and Flair have been disqualified. There. Oh, now Flair's kissing his ass. Here we go. Flair going for a cover again. I don't know what that's all about, but there she is, intimidating as ever, woman. Very unfortunate, both of them no longer with us. Their respective circumstances that led to their their individual passings is just... But um, here we see Eric Bischoff, Bobby Heenan, Mongo McMichael. Let's play the audio here, see what's going on, so we can get an idea. Sit down, Heenan. Keep your hands to yourself. Go away. Go away. 
Throw out this reminder, WCW Saturday night, this Saturday night, 605 Eastern. You're going to see Colonel Parker in Medusa return match. You have got all kinds of action coming your way. Don't miss it. We'll see you next week right here on Without Question. Ain't nobody got the, the key either, baby. Each and every Monday night. Thanks for joining us. See you, Bobby. And that about does it with our WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along from April the 15th, 1996. Thank you all so very much for once again joining me um, for this uh, this self-quarantined social distancing Nitro Watch Party here on Kicking Out at 2. Um, Hopefully all you guys, like, let me reiterate once again, hopefully you all are staying healthy, staying safe. Hopefully no one close to you has been affected by this. Hopefully you have not been affected by this. And hopefully myself here on Kicking Out at Two, I can provide you some kind of entertainment, some kind of activity to do during this self-quarantine period um, with these uh, the, the, these watch-alongs. Uh, you know, next our, our next recording coming up. Uh, we have for you the April 21st, 2000 edition of ECW on TNN. Uh, we're going to see um, the Impact players, Justin Credible and Lance Storm in action. you also see uh, Tommy Dreamer, Steve Carino, the Sandman, uh, special appearance by the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. This was during the period of time where ECW was, they were circling the drain. It was, you know, it was near the end. Um of the company's existence and this was during that period of time where you know guys were you know leaving jumping ship uh going to either wwf or wcw and they were trying to make do with what they had on their roster um but uh you know going back and reviewing this that episode uh you know i thought it'd be fun to watch it there was uh some pretty interesting stuff i hadn't watched it yet but i just read a review on it and it looked like it was fun so i'm looking forward to watching that with all you guys on our next recording uh ecw on tnn april the 21st 2000 um with that being said i think it's about that time that we put this show down for the three count and we will see you all very soon